Hello and welcome to episode number seven of the Protection Dog Podcast. And today we are going to talk about why it is so important to have what we call stability in your dog. And we'll uh, get a little bit more into exactly what that means in just a minute. But first, today's episode is sponsored by Fortress Canine. So Fortress Canine is bringing you peace of mind through protection dogs. They offer personal, family, and executive protection dogs. You can contact Fortress Canine on their website at FortressCanine.com. That's F-O-R-T-R-E-S-S, the letter K, the number nine.com. You can also email them at Joel at FortressCanine.com. You can send us a text at 813-836-9244. You can also contact us on Facebook and it's at Fortress Canine Dogs or on Instagram at Fortress Canine. And you can also search for Fortress Canine on YouTube to see our YouTube channel. And I get a little reflection there off my notes. So, all right, so with all that uh, said, uh, one other note I would just like to point out is we do still have a few of our Malinois puppies left. This is the end of March. March 23rd is the recording date of this, so uh, we may or may not have those available by the time this goes live, but if you are looking for Dutch Shepherd, Malinois, or German Shepherd puppies that are working line, but that are stable and good with families, then contact us. We will either uh, let you know what's available or get your name on our list so that you will be notified whenever the puppies become available. All right, so with that, let's go ahead and get into the topic for today's show. So today we are going to talk about why stability is so important. So first of all, um, our primary focus here, uh, even though we discuss a lot of different options and things like that, uh, on a broader spectrum, our primary focus is protection dogs, right? So protection dogs that move with you as an individual, family protection dogs that uh, either primarily guard the home or move with you and your family together, and then executive protection dogs, which are primarily focused on moving with uh, high-risk or high-value individuals in places where they may have unique threats, uh, especially uh, places like overseas and things of that nature. So because of this, the number one question I get, typically from uh, wives, but some of the husbands will ask it too, is, is it safe to have a protection dog around my children? And um, that is the key reason we do stability at Fortress Canine. So that's the number one reason. The number one reason is to make sure that your protection dogs are safe around your children and your other pets, right? So a dog that is a threat to your family isn't of any value in trying to protect you from threats outside of the family, right? If your dog is the one producing the threat to you and your family, then it's of no value to you as a protection dog. It has to be a dog that it will stop a threat that may be coming but also at the same time is gonna be completely safe around you and your children, okay? So let's take one step back real quick and discuss exactly what stability means because not a lot of other people use that term. 
and um, and so I want to make sure that everybody understands exactly what stability is and stability in a nutshell uh, especially for this conversation primarily means that your dog never puts their teeth on anything that you haven't told them to put their teeth on with one exception and that is if you or one of your family members are physically attacked by someone else then the dog can defend without a command but in every other situation the dog is only to use their teeth only to put their teeth on things when they are commanded to do so and that doesn't matter if it's another animal a cat a small pet something like that another dog now there are a few exceptions if they're being attacked by another dog that's out of control um, but we're not going to go down that rabbit trail today but it's just something to be aware of but they're not to be the aggressor toward other dogs right or any other people even people who may be acting aggressively and this is an important uh, thing to consider as well because just because someone's acting aggressively toward you does not mean you have justification to send your dog on them to create the damage that a protection dog is going to do because maybe they're just acting a fool right so uh, there's a lot that goes into all of this but that in a nutshell is what we mean when we start talking about stability is that the dog knows it's only allowed to put its teeth on things when it's told it can do so and then when the handler says leave it the dog will leave it right so that is what stability is and so coming back around to the main reason we do stability is your family your family must be safe around your protection dog or the dog really has no value or substantially diminished value right so we need to make sure that the dogs are safe around children we need to make sure that the dogs are safe around other small animals and if you are on a farm or anything like that that is safe around your livestock right so we specifically place the dogs in these situations number one to train them to be stable and number two to confirm that they actually are stable so I have 10 children they range from ages 4 to 18 and uh, and so our dogs are exposed to children of a wide age range um, all of our dogs train in our public training classes where we will have multiple other dogs, some of which have aggression issues, most of which don't. The ones that come with aggression issues, we get them over those pretty quickly. But all of our dogs have been exposed to those situations to make sure that when they come to your home, they are safe and stable. We also specifically do exercises during our protection training where we make sure that even if someone is acting out, even if someone is acting suspiciously, even if someone is acting aggressively, if they're not actively attacking you, if they're not doing something that justifies you actually deploying <coughs> your dog on them, that the dog does not do anything that it's not supposed to, right? Because the bottom line is, when you move in public with your dog, you are going to come across stupid people. People will do all sorts of stupid things. I've had do people hiss at my dogs in public, which is a noise that we typically use when we're bringing the dogs out in bite work. So obviously uh, that's something that can get them pretty riled up. I have had people uh, lean down and put their faces right in my dog's faces. I've had people come up and just start petting my dogs. Uh, I've had people make like real jumpy motions at the dogs before. Like they you know, almost were like trying to pick a fight with the dog. People do stupid things and your dog needs to be stable in all of those environments. So that is one of the primary things and considerations that we do when we think about stability. 
But number two is dogs need to be stable so that they are functional. Okay, so you cannot move freely in public or you cannot basically go wherever you need to go without worrying about your dog unless your dog is stable. So consider this, if your dog has, if it makes you feel like, whether or not it would do it or not, but if your dog would makes you feel like it would bite somebody, attack somebody, bark or growl at somebody when it's not supposed to, if your dog makes you feel like it's going to do that, the chances of you taking it with you when you go places is diminished, right? Because you feel like your functionality is limited based on the dog's behavior. Whereas when you have a safe, stable dog, then you feel much more comfortable moving in public, you feel much more comfortable moving into crowds, you feel much more comfortable going places with your dog so that if you run into a situation in those places, your dog is there at your side, ready to defend you, ready to back you up, ready to make sure that nobody else is going to mess with you. So that is one of the key critical aspects of stability in a dog is making sure they're functional. Now there's a couple of other places that functionality is highly important when we're talking about dogs that are trained uh, for protection work, for bite work, for apprehension and military um, bite work, right? And that is when you're moving with a team, right? So some of you may have kind of like, you know, uh, family protection teams where you have a couple of families that, are, that live nearby each other and they all kind of agree to take care of each other. If that's you and you're uh, doing training together, you need to be incorporating your dogs into that training if you have protection dogs, right? So that if you end up taking your dog into a protection scenario, let's say, you know, one of the family members comes home and their front door has been kicked in. Well, they don't want to go in and clear it themselves. And, oh, I don't know, they just happen to be in a pandemic uh, caused by a Chinese coronavirus. And so the police response is very, very delayed, right? And they call you and ask you to come and help clear the house. The dog brings a valuable asset to that situation, but you don't want the first time that your dog is meeting your, your friends in these other families to be in this moment. Right? You want to have trained together. You want your dog to have trained under stress with these other people. If you fully trust them, you may even want them to practice actually handling your dog in some of these situations in case something happens to you and somebody else needs to take the dog for a period of time to make sure that it's you know, not just running loose or running away or getting injured in some way. Right? So making sure that your dog is functional on a team is extremely important and stability is what allows that to be something that you have confidence in. It's something that you know, I can bring my dog to my team members, they all have firearms, but my dog's not gonna bite them because we have trained for our dogs to be stable. The next one is uh, when you're on military teams, right? So one of the things you will almost always see when you start seeing these special operations canines is when they're doing airborne operations, when they're doing uh, helicasts into water for waterborne operations, when they're doing these high stress insertions, the dogs are almost always muzzled, right? Now I understand why they're doing that, but wouldn't it be better if they didn't have to? So basically here's my viewpoint on this. Muzzling a dog when you're going into an area where there is the potential that you may hit the ground and be in a firefight the minute your feet touch the ground, 
is kind of like having a partner on the team, one of your teammates, be this guy who just, you know, periodically for no real apparent reason, just starts punching teammates in the face, right? And maybe every once in a while on a bad day, he pulls his knife out and gives him a couple good slashes across the forearms or, or on the bicep or something like that, right? And they go, hey man, we really like having you on the team, but we're getting ready to do this jump in. And before we jump, we're gonna handcuff you behind your back, but don't worry, we're gonna take the handcuffs off as soon as we hit the ground, right? That would seem, if you had a teammate that you had to do that to before you landed, you probably wouldn't want that guy on your team, right? It, there may be a few very rare exceptions for some of the more crazy guys, but for the most part, Teammates want to be able to trust their other teammates and they want to know that those teammates aren't just going to randomly attack them. The reason most of these dogs have muzzles on is because the dogs have just basically been trained to, to be attack monsters. And so there's very little stability in the dogs on these teams, at least as a general rule. And so they feel like they have to muzzle these dogs up so that the handler isn't getting bit while they're trying to free fall or halo uh, you know, got a, a shoot into a landing. That would be hey ho, by the way. So if they're if they're trying to run a parachute, a parasail to come in for a landing, they don't want to worry about the dog, right? So they just muzzle it up. If they're jumping into the water, they don't want to worry about the dog freaking out and biting them. So they muzzle the dog. When they're doing any of these kinds of things, they basically are saying, "I don't trust you" to the dog, and they're muzzling up the dog. Most of the time, that may not be a problem if they insert into a place where it's relatively safe, they can stow their parachutes, they can get the dog ready, blah, 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 blah. But there is always that possibility that they're gonna be going into a hot landing zone and they're gonna to need to engage right off the bat. And if they have not trained these dogs to be stable, then that is going to be a liability and not an asset in that moment, okay? Another one is in the law enforcement community. Right, so one of the things that I see frequently, and to be honest with you, it really, really drives me crazy, is I will see, um, well, I hear a lot that police officers frequently are being bit by the canine dogs on the police force, right? And then I ask them to send me some pictures or we see these pictures posted on uh, you know, Instagram or YouTube or whatever, or Facebook, and they're doing bite work with just a sleeve on and the person who's being bit is wearing the uniform of that department. Okay, so I see this a lot in the military working dog community where you've got soldiers wearing their uniforms while they're being bit. I've seen this a lot in the police community, the law enforcement community where the officers are wearing their uniforms and they just slip a sleeve on and then they do the bite work with the dogs and they wonder why the dogs bite and target other police officers. It's because they're training them to do that, right? So th there's two problems here. The first problem is that they are conditioning the dogs to target those uniforms, which is problematic because then in stress, the dog goes toward what it's most familiar with and it bites an officer who's wearing the uniform that has been trained to bite. The other thing is the dogs are not stable enough for the person to deploy the dog, the handler, to send the dog on a deployment. They see the dog retarget onto an officer and to go, leave that, take out the guy I sent you on, right? The dogs won't leave it when they're called to leave it. So both of those things are problems. It's a conditioning problem that they're conditioning the dog to do something that it shouldn't be conditioned to do. And 
it is a stability problem where the dog is not stable enough to call off of the target once it's been deployed, right? And there's probably a certain level of which it's a stress issue as well because what tends to happen with dogs is when they're under high stress, they will kind of divert to what they're more familiar with. And oftentimes, if they've done a lot of bite work with a certain group of people, even though bite work can be stressful, the dogs are familiar with that kind of bite work as opposed to the bite work on some new person, right? And so sometimes there will be this diverting to what they're more familiar with, what is in essence a lower stress situation. They'll divert off of the higher stress situation into the lower stress situation because they've not been conditioned to deal with that level of stress, right? So we, that's one of the reasons our training revolves around a stress inoculation concept where we are constantly adding more and more and more stress to the exercises that the dogs are doing so that they have less of a tendency to do that. Um, now, you never are going to know 100% until it, you know, you're in the moment, but the idea is the more stress the dog has been trained to go through, then the less a high stress situation will affect the dog's ability to be functional, all right? So we've talked about having dogs safe in your families. We've talked about having a functional protection dog um, because they're stable, they're not always targeting everything and looking around for just something to bite. We've talked about using them on a team and having them familiar with the team and stable around a team. We've talked about how military working dogs, especially the high-end military working dogs, um, are often having to be muzzled because of the lack of stability. And we have talked about how the law enforcement dogs often are having issues with the dogs biting other officers because the dogs have, number one, been conditioned to bite the wrong thing. Number two, the dogs haven't received enough stability training where they can be called off mid-deployment. And number three, the dogs haven't been properly conditioned to deal with stress. So the third thing I wanna talk about under our tactical uh, group is you managing a dog in a high stress situation. So it's a really bad strategy to have a bite first, ask questions later kind of approach to things. And unfortunately, many of the training methodologies use that as their baseline for how to use the dogs. Essentially, the dog detects that there's some kind of threat and the dog just decides to go and bite. And then the person has to just deal with that situation from that point forward. The problem with that approach is I often will refer to a highly trained protection dog as a very obedient three-year-old with a gun, right? Now, that could scare some people because it does place responsibility on the handler, but what I mean by that is this. The dog does not have the cognitive reasoning that a human has. A human being can see a situation and can go, yes, we're authorized to use a high level of force here, or no, we are not authorized to use a high level of force. Maybe they even want to use force, but they know if they do, it's gonna be this huge ordeal that they don't wanna have to deal with, right? Even if they could ultimately come out on top in the end, they don't wanna deal with the lawsuits or whatever else may go on. And so they say, you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna walk away from this situation, right? Now, obviously, if you try to walk away and that situation still escalates from there, that changes what the situation is. But the human being can look at that situation and rationalize through and make a decision, do we engage or do we disengage? The dogs don't have that reasoning capability. They do have an ability to think, they do have an ability to reason, 
but it's a significantly lower ability to reason and think than the human. So they see a threat, they don't have a concern about lawsuits, they don't have a concern about emotions, they don't have those limitations which are also assets for us, right? But they're unencumbered by those things, so they see something that to them looks like a threat, and if they're not trained to be stable, they just go, end the threat, boom, and they hit, right? And so a lot of these training methodologies that ignore stability or don't do any stability or do a very small amount of stability, they run into these situations where the dogs engage when the handler did not want them to, right? So having the ability to control the situation also means having the ability to control your dog in the situation. So you need to have that ability to say, leave it, stay back, or you will be bit, right? And the dog will have the look on their face of, I'm gonna freaking rip your arms off. But at the same time, they will stand down and wait for that next command because they've been told to leave it, right? Or they've been told to watch and they're barking now. Or they've been told to take and you release the lead or the person is, is closing in on the length of your lead, right? So there's all these things that you have the ability to control but the dog must be stable because you typically don't want a three-year-old making your life and death situations. You want the handler, the adult making the life and death situations. You want the three-year-old to be obedient and do exactly what they're told when they're told, right? And, and in those situations where they may need to react, you want to train them to react properly. And sometimes reacting properly is doing nothing. And sometimes reacting properly is engaging, such as when their handler gets attacked. But stability is what makes all of those things possible. All right, so I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope that the idea and the thought process of stability has made sense. There is a little bit more to it when it comes to some of the more broad brushstroke stuff, but the primary reason for stability is having a dog that is safe when you're doing protection work with your dog. So, one more time, if you want to get in contact with me, uh, number one, you can comment on this podcast or this YouTube video, uh, depending on what platform you're watching this on. You can also email me at joel at fortresscanine.com. And if you do that in the subject line, please put Protection Dog Podcast so that I know that, that this comment is coming from the podcast. Um, I'll address those uh, in a little bit more timely manner. It just depends on... Um, why people are texting me or emailing me as to how quickly I'm able to get back uh, when I have a lot going on. The other thing is uh, if you want to get in touch with me a little bit quicker, you can text me at 813-836-9244. And if you go to my website, fortressk9.com, you can sign up for our email list there and uh, you'll get notifications whenever a new podcast comes up. But you'll also uh, be able to stay up to date on what's going on here at Fortress K9 and K9 Academy, and uh, be notified anytime we have uh, some discounts uh, or some new information, such as a new litter on ground, uh, and be able to keep you up to date with all of those things. Don't forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, and that's at Fortress K9 Dogs on Instagram at Fortress K9, and on YouTube by searching for Fortress K9. Um, also, don't forget, 
We currently have Malinois puppies on ground. Uh, there's uh, some males and some females left in this litter. They are four weeks old as of the recording of this podcast, which is March 23rd. And uh, so if you are looking for uh, solid Dutch Shepherd, Malinois, or Working Line German Shepherd puppies, uh, or trained dogs, contact us, let us know, and we will make sure that we let you know what's available or when our next litter is going to be landing. Uh, I hope this has been enjoyable for you, and until next time, train hard and stay safe.